Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today, I'm joined by Thorbjorn, Mybrid, and Afalabi to discuss boosting team success in tech, unleashing the power of psychological safety. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. Mybrid, would you like to kick us off? Yes, I'd love to. Thank you. So a quick introduction to me. I'm uh, working at EG, which is a Nordic software company where we create some vertical software solution for various industries. My current roles are covering product management, development management, and people management. So I have learned that the key for me to succeed in my roles as product and development manager is to be a good people manager. So uh, therefore, I really highly value having a team culture that is based on psychological safety, as I've seen like firsthand how it can do magic. So I'm here to talk about that kind of magic and to gain some knowledge on how others handle the same topic. Thank you, my brother. It's really great great to have you back on the podcast and and that this topic wouldn't be here without your uh, passion around it. So thank you for that as well. Afalabi, over to you to give you quick introduction. Yeah, um, I currently work at a company called Worksum as an engineering team lead, uh, leading a team of uh, three engineers, where Worksum is currently building software to transform the contingent workforce, which basically means that we are transforming the way uh, freelancers, talent workers engage with clients out there in a more um, streamlined manner. and I, and I know that that's very, very important. And I feel like that that really ties into today's topic um, generally uh, with the work that I do um, in ensuring that workers get what they need to um, and working in that environment. Um, but I'm also very keen about this because um, I'm passionate about empathetic leadership and servant leadership, which I think I've seen to um, require a whole lot of um, building the right culture around for, for there to be the right safety amongst the people that you work with to to transform and to build innovation. So um, yes, I'm definitely looking forward to learning, sharing some thoughts about that, and of course, picking up a few things from others on this call. Yeah, thank you, Afalabi. It's great to have you on. Our last but not least guest of all is Thorbjorn. Over to you. Hi, I'm Thorbjorn. <laughs> I'm the head of uh, user experience and product design at a company called Keep It, where we do cloud-to-cloud backup. So, you know, for example, if you have a Microsoft tenant and you really want to make sure that if you get hacked, you don't lose everything and all of your company's information, we will back that up from the keep, like Microsoft Cloud and into Keep It, and you can then restore it if if something bad happens. Um, and we've been having, from the very beginning of the companies, a, a strong uh, focus on... Uh, user uh, ease of use and uh, and part of and innovation and thinking anew and 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 I guess uh, psychological safety all away the, the you know uh, have played a very very uh, essential role in that besides working there I have my own podcast that's called hidden by design where I talk about design uh, every is like uh, second week um and in the morning, <laughs> I get up because as a leader, I don't get to spend a lot of time making designs myself at work. So I do that on my games. 
I'm here to share and receive knowledge and hopefully, if I'm very lucky, be a little bit provoked about my opinions about psychological safety so I can, you know, become better at at, at understanding it. So thanks for inviting. My pleasure. And I hope we can deliver on and provoking you a little bit, Sylvia. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Knowledge Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Awesome, guys. Well, now that we've established the context around each view, we'll move on to the topic in focus. You all have a question or a statement around psychological safety and we'll work our way around the room and we'll pose the questions and the reasons behind it and you'll each have an opportunity to give your take on that situation. The first question that we have today is one that we've all decided that we wanted to address first uh, and that is what is psychological safety to you? And we'll go through the same um, order we went last time. So Mybred, if you'd like to go first and, and let us know. Yeah. To me... Psychological safety is a very fundamental aspect of having healthy and productive teams. So it enables individuals in the team to be their authentic self, promote uh, some mutual respect among each other, and ultimately it leads to having a safe environment for everyone involved. So it is uh, my opinion that it's uh, building trust, having personal growth, and uh, achieving common goals are some of the essentials that come from having psychological safety. So in a safe environment, all team members feel comfortable speaking up, sharing ideas, and express their both uh, thoughts and feelings uh, without having any fear of judgment or punishment. So it's like having this safe home at work. Thank you, Mybrid. And Afalabi, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think that was perfectly put. Um, I think similarly as well, it's um, the ability, I think for me, it's the ability to be able to bring yourself every day to work and not be concerned as to what you're bringing in. Um, and I think that that's super important to be able to sort of know that you can bring your whole self, your which could entail your identity, your perspective, your opinions, um, and not have that fear of being shut down. Um, I think that that's very sort of key. Um, that you don't, there's no fear of any ever any sort of way, or you would you have concerns that you'll be made to feel um, somewhere about those thoughts or about who you are. Um, and I think that's that's um, psychological safety. Thank you, Topion. You've got to go last on this one. It's going to be difficult because right. we've had three <laughs> definitions, but over to you. No, no, no. I think this is it's like there's a big, big danger that that I was like because what I find fascinating about psychological safety is actually where it comes from, and how it was discovered, and how it was kind of got to this point, uh, because it tells a lot about also why it was researched. So to me, it's like both uh, Avalabi and, and Mybrid, 
uh, kind of nailing it. I think if I had to add anything to that, it would be that as a human and, and an individual, uh, it's typically it's like, why do you go to work? It's like for most people, spe- specifically in the knowledge industry, it's about adding create. It's like improving yourself and growing as an individual, but also growing as a professional, and 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 contributing and and doing meaningful work and, and be seen, right? And so in that, it's like if you look at it from an egocentric point of view, when you go to a group and you can contribute. And the value that you bring to the table actually gets seen and recognized. Uh, th- that to me is is part of the outcome of psychological safety, uh, and I think that that is that's to me the, the that's very interesting because that's what for me at least makes me grow with my team. Uh, is it's like them growing and 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 being able to to actually bring value to me and vice versa, and I think that that kind of meaningfulness is is super super uh, important. When it's like at least for me when we talk about psychological safety, because because the 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 psychological safety in itself kind of gives root for so much. Uh, it's like it 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 kind of. Is like a fertilizer for a garden, right? You can have beautiful flowers, but you know the moment that you apply that, the 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 growth is just gonna it just explodes. Um, and and I think it's like seeing that explosion is is a it's like it's a, it's like it's like autumn, <laughs> and I love that. I don't know, like. Do we have time? Can I just like? Do we have time for me to just, uh, you know, explain? So, so, so maybe my Brit and I you, you can you can correct me if I'm this is like because this is the story I heard about how psychological safety was kind of invented in quotations, uh, and so it all started at a hospital, like a scientist who were who were looking at some data, and then see that there was some some really, really strange patterns in these data. So she was looking at two hospitals specifically, and in one hospital, there was a very low amount of uh, mistakes and errors being made, uh, but the patients would come back and die a lot. <laughs> Whereas on the other hospital, there was a very high amount of mistakes and, and, and uh, faults being made, but the people who came back or died and had complications after operations and stuff like that were very low. And so that didn't make sense. So the scientist went in to look at these numbers and found out that the reason why uh, there was a high amount in one of mistakes is was because people would dare to report it because the collaboration within the teams were so good and fundamentally healthy that anyone dared to admit their mistakes. And what that resulted in was fewer complications and fewer people dying and fewer people having to come back to get reoperated. And so it, it kind of had the, that made this amazing effect of, of, you know, if I dare to report that I made a mistake, then we can together make sure that it doesn't happen again. Now, fast forward or jump to another setting, which is Google who were doing a lot of, they were seeing some patterns as well. 
and, and one of the patterns were that they would put rockstar developers uh, in a team and then they would put new people together and what were kind of confusing to them was that there, there seemed to be no uh, a correlation between seniority and uh, productivity so it it seems like you you know you put all the best people in one team and you you didn't really get a good outcome from it. So like it didn't it didn't really produce anything valuable. And then you would have juniors like a team of juniors, and they were just running with it. And it was very confusing because it's like it's difficult. And some people that they hired to kind of help them figure this out, all just like all of a sudden made that connection and say, hey, wait a minute. She made that research. Maybe that's what's applying here. It's like this is the short version, and that's kind of how it was born. Is they then realized that that the team dynamic is actually more important for for creating value than than seniority is. Uh, and I think that's that's a and if you can then combine it, it's like yeah, <laughs> magic. <laughs> but but I think it's like I think that's a very very interesting story because you kind of. It, it tells the whole you know what you can benefit and where it comes from and 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 all of that stuff and I really like that story about the the conception of psychological safety in in that kind of way I don't know if it, if have love here my but do you have anything to add to that if I missed something important in that story uh, now I believe that the research you uh, introduced at the beginning was um, Made by Professor Amy Edmondson. Yes, and uh, exactly. she's uh, she's really cool, and I follow her and read her her research papers and books and so on. And I'm a huge fan of the way she handles the the whole aspect and theme. So so I like her a lot. And the the example you give from from Google, it's it's well known and it's a really great example. I've used it uh, to introduce my team to what this is. So it's easy for everyone to understand when they read that uh, that research from Google as, as well. Excellent, guys. Well, I think we've we've set a great precedent and, and an understanding of psychological safety, and it gives us a really nice segue that story as well. I think into Mybrid's first question, which is one of the cornerstones of psychological safety is to learn from failure and having good dialogue about failures and following the outcome of the learnings to the whole team is really important. So how do you succeed in getting your teams to talk positively and constructively about failures? And before I hand it over to you guys, Mybrid, if you could give us a bit of context, if there's anything more to add. Well, I think it's really uh, useful for me to gain uh, knowledge about how others are handling it. And I'll be happy to share how we do it today when I've heard from from Torbjörn and, and Afolabi. Excellent. Afolabi, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the way to sort of look at it and the way I personally look at it as well um, and within my team as well is it's about really changing the conversation or really changing the perspective and the viewpoint, right? Um, when I think when, when we talk about failure, it's usually very from a very individual point of view, right? What cost it? What cost it? Um, why did that happen, right? And I think that the minute you change your perspective to to a we point of view, and this is how I see it and how I, I tend to handle it for me, that it's a collective thing. Um, and so, for example, if, if we were reporting on something that's happened in production, for example, 
it's usually what did the team do? Um, and the minute you 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 transform that conversation, you 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 remove that you remove that that um that fear of blame or that fear of um I did this right, and you 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 immediately move the conversation to how do we solve this or how do we learn from this right? Um, and the minute you're able to sort of take away the conversation straight away from okay, the person is either either you're reporting the so that the person or the person is coming up to say to you, you're able to take away that conversation and say, what do we do next, right? Um, or what do we learn from this, right? Um, and that could also that that literally changes the whole point of view, and it's literally just a a viewpoint change that I think it's super necessary to to remove uh, that that creates that enabling environment to talk about failures because. If you don't do that, then you you immediately have a problem with sort of people being able to express that I've done this, um, I've made this error, I've pushed this wrong code, or I'm I'm currently struggling with this, right? Um, or this is something that I've done already. And I think that once you put that in place, um, and I think a- another important sort of way to sort of handle this is to also as leaders, I guess, to to communicate even our own personal failures, right? Um, I think that once you yourself are able to share failures or you are even some, not even failures sometimes, even as low as starting with changes, right? Um, then you, you then you, you immediately create that environment of vulnerability, right? Um, then the people that are working with you understand that I can be vulnerable with this person. When this person understands that they can be vulnerable with you, then they're able to communicate failures with you, right? Um, and immediately, um, I think that, that that transforms the entire organization and team. And, you know, it's a, it's a different um, viewpoint um, of working. Yeah. Should I go next? <laughs> you can go next, though, Bjorn. I'll go yeah, next, what? then. All right. So just so 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 I guess the the learning from failure. It's uh, like for me that this was a really nice question. Also a complicated one because it's like in many ways, and Afalaba, you kind of hit the nail on the head. There's a difference between you know the the people in your team learning and you learning and 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 the you know the whole growing together uh, idea. I think from my perspective, I've been we've been practicing uh, and so we practice every single day <laughs> for 15 minutes we have the small session design session where we review things and someone brings something up and it can be small big early late stage designs and we only have 15 minutes to to kind of give feedback give and receive feedback and obviously sometimes that puts specifically for designers who is presenting very early work that can be very intimi- intimidating because then you don't feel that you're presenting something that that is is good enough for for receiving feedback. But if you look at it from a company culture and a rapid development and 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 uh, iterative development, then the earlier you can actually give feedback, the better it is. And so in the design world, there's this contradiction between you know you want you you want to protect yourself psychologically by making something that everyone looks at and says, wow, it's a great tool that we have as designers. We can make things look beautiful. When things look beautiful, then people won't criticize it. And so we use that as a as a defense mechanism in that conversation. And so 
practicing breaking that down and actually opening up and showing your vulnerability by showing wireframes and napkin designs or some really, really low fidelity stuff is is really difficult. Like it's more difficult than you would imagine uh, because you feel treated unfairly when people criticize it. So we practice that every day for 15 minutes. Uh, and also, because it also takes a lot from me as a manager, I think that 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 interconnection between management and and uh, and the want the what do you call it the uh, I forgot the English word uh, the one who contributes the one who actually creates the creators uh, because I don't create stuff which is really boring uh, but also it's like I do a lot of other fun things and I guess in the end what and I, I introduced myself with that hoping to be provoked because typically you know if you get to that place where you feel safe then you can also recognize that this provokes me someone is saying stuff that i don't like but instead of going into a defensive mode where you stop listening and start defending your work and trying to shoot down attacking the people who is actually criticizing your work you can take it in and reflect upon it. And I think that from a design perspective and, and making really, really uh, good usability and good user experience, it's like you have to have that capability and you have to be in that space. Um, so so I think it's like, it, it just some very concrete things that I try to do, because like, as you can hear, my, it's like my oldest son usually say, uh, <laughs> dad, your mouth is bigger than your brain. And I think that comes from a very loving place, but also a recognition that I talk a lot. And that kind of sometimes <laughs> puts like a stick in my wheel uh, because I always know what it's like. I always have an opinion about design. I love design uh, from the bottom of my, my heart, right? And so when someone presents something, I always have an opinion. I also have, I always have improvement suggestions or ideas on how you can kind of do things a little bit different. And and um, and actually, together with my team, we agreed a while back that some of these me feedback meetings, I would simply not be part of it. They would just exclude me and they would have meetings without me. Uh, and even though that hurts, oh man, it hurt. <laughs> then, <laughs> then they came back from those meetings really, really happy because two things happened. It's like one is I always know what to do. I have the authority to tell people what to do, and that means that a lot of that power, where you have to make take risks yourself, and 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 make is like a, make some decisions, is you know it's a two way street, right? It's easier if they can get me to just do it, and it's easier for me to do it because you know even though I know it's not real, they will say that's a good decision, Tobian, uh, but it isn't real. It's just because I have seniority that 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 pe people think that, and I think often there's there's this uh, there's this problem in it's like I have this problem. It's like I've experienced this in my head. I'm not higher. I don't have more authority. I'm not. I don't carry more value. I, I'm not more talented than than my colleagues on my team. But when you look at it from a human perspective, then the, the the moment I carry that title of head of, it's like I automatically carry more weight. I automatically carry more authority, and it means that my stuff weighs more. Um, and 
And if I don't recognize that, and and I think that's that's one of the the paths that I've been on, in terms of of me helping everyone feel safe, is to recognize that that is a thing, no matter how much I I believe it or not, <laughs> and I think that it's right, then that is a thing. Uh, I think. So together with my team, we're actually trying to develop ourselves and saying, all right, how do we how do we change this dynamic? We started with just excluding me from these meetings so that they could have conversation without someone being dominant in the room, which was me. Uh, and then kind of slowly work me into the meetings again because it's really, really fun. And, uh, and then I had to kind of change my way and rhetoric about, uh, and I think, just to answer the question, learning from failure is that thing about removes like understanding authority, respecting authority. It's like respecting the fact that it's there and it, that it has an impact, um, and then then figure out how you can get around it. And and I, and I think my my revelation or my current state of where I am in my development is is I as a manager and a leader of that team have to distinguish between telling people what to do and making people understand what to do and making people understand what to do is is my purpose and that means that i can't tell people what to do i can't come with suggestions even though oh man i love it uh, but but i have to ask questions did you think that did you consider how are you thinking about solving that problem so instead of telling people what to do i ask questions to understand what they are thinking and that process has been long for me uh, and i think i guess one of the great moments for me have been throughout that process where where my team actually challenges me and tell me this doesn't help us or you're in the way or you're you're kind of it was like excluding me was not my idea. Let's just be frank about that. <laughs> but but them suggesting that because they could see a problem made me really, really happy because that meant that they were safe enough to actually tell their boss to fuck off. Uh, and and that, that takes courage. Uh, and I really, really respected that. Uh, but was also hurt. <laughs> I guess I don't know if that answered the question. I hope that answered the question. <laughs> I I I kind of think it did, to be honest, because you really touched on something that's really very critical, right? Um, you you turned on early feedback, and I think that it's it's something that we are currently sort of doing, and I guess sort of within our team, transforming the way we work, right? Which is how do you how do you I guess prevent failures or be able to communicate failures. When you work at increments, right, um, or in very small batches, and say, "I've done this amount of work. I know it does not seem ready, but I want to get feedback on it, right?" Um, and to sort of be that, get feedback to sort of make people say, "If we reduce the amount of work that we do, if we ensure that we're getting feedback early enough, um, you're able to sort of get, you know, that process of okay, it's not complete, it's fine." Uh, look at it right um and that 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 translates not only within the team but also it transforms the way the the wider team or, or higher stakeholders sort of view and expect work from 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 our team and understand that this team is, is sort of doing their best and they they're they, they ready to sort of work with help the dynamics of the team and of obviously you 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 immediately transform the the whole cultural organization there so i, I really really resonate with that 
um, in terms of early feedback, because it definitely breeds, breeds that um, environment of um, talking about your failures and accepting feedback um, and being able to critique stuff and say, nah, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think you're the right direction with this, right? You're completely off. Um, and people will be able to say, oh yeah, I can re- I can iterate over that and, you know, come back um, and collect more feedback afterwards, right? Yeah. Wow. Uh, thank you, both of you. That was that was a lot of great input there. I I completely agree, uh, Afulabi, on your like take on having to change the perspective in order to get started on this, and then to communicate own failures, being that good example, taking yourself into it. And that that's really great. And that was also part of your example, Tobion. Where uh, my key takeaway from yours was, was the practice part. Um, and empowering the team to take those risks on their own without y- you being there. I uh, I can conclude by telling how we do it in my own team. So uh, we use um, Scrum. So therefore, we have a lot of scheduled meetings and events in each sprint. And one of them is the retrospective. And that's where we practice talking about these failures and what may have occurred in the past sprint and the connected outcome and learnings. So, of course, we don't want to repeat a failure, but it's so important that we handle the learning as a team and not per individual. So we talk about them as a natural part of the agenda. So it's not something extraordinary. It's not something bad. It becomes natural. And that's uh, that's the key thing about the, the failure thing for me it has to come natural so thank you very much can i add something to the, because the retrospective it, it is like is absolutely amazing it's an amazing tool if i had to take anything out of scrum and just say this is the single most powerful tool it's a retrospective it's absolutely amazing i think we made we <laughs> we made two two rules when we do retrospective and one of them was actually not to t- talk about failures and not address them as failures. So we, so, so, and the other one is, it's like one of my favorites, it's, it's uh, and not but. Um, and, and I'll explain that. So, so, but the, the talking about, we, we actually address this as like what went well and what we would like to improve for the next sprint. And so the reason why we, we, we changed it from what, you know, what failed or what went wrong is, the you know the mind goes into typically if you talk about what went wrong, you get a little bit defensive inside of your subconscious, and that means that you 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 don't you don't move forward or you don't look at how do we want to change this in the future. But if you talk about failures as what do you want to change or improve in the future, you really get that. I'm guessing you guys do that as well. But 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 that's 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 kind of. As it's like to me that really changed a lot, uh, and to our team that we just did that small change, and then and not but is is this idea that you don't use stop words. We call them stop words. So things that stop what people are saying. So when you say but, you kind of erase everything that was said until then. So someone comes up with a good idea, and you say that's a good idea, but, and in that moment you say but, you kind of erase everything that was said and and just disregard it. And then you come with your own thing. And just by changing that word to and, it two things happen. One is that you have to reflect upon what you're going to say next because you have to add it to an and 
instead of a but. So now you're not talking from a clean sheet. You're talking from what was previously said. Um, and, and that kind of leads you into a different uh, thought pattern. The second thing that happens is that the person do, you're giving feedback with the and instead of the but is now not in a defensive mode, which means that they're open to listening. So you're saying and, which means that you recognize what was said, you agree with what was said, and you would like to add something to that. Um, and that's like that, that to me is like, and so and not but can be, uh, you know, the, 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 the but part can be no, or it can be stop, or it can be, it's like all sort of, of words that kind of stop the conversation and disregard what was being said so that I can speak my mind. Uh, instead of having a conversation where you kind of built something together. And I found that incredibly in that conversation powerful. It's like, I don't, I, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, I, just, I get I, so excited about these. No, that's super great. It's it's actually quite interesting because it's also a great strategy in sales. I know this is completely off, but um, it's actually a great strategy when you're, when you're making sales and, you know, they pose a question to you and you just say, and, right? It continues yeah. the conversation, right? It changes the perspective of how the person thinks, right? Um, it is a very, very powerful tool. Definitely, definitely something I'd love to try in our next retrospective. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excellent, guys. Well, Myra, thank you for an incredible question um, to kind of, continue us on there and, and for all you guys' input. Afalabi's question is where we'll move to next. And he wants to know, how do we build a culture of trust to ensure people can be themselves and talk about mental challenges of work? And also, is there a connection between psychological safety and, and innovation within a team as an, and an organization as a whole? A bit of a two-in-one uh, question there, Afalabi, but I'll hand it over to yourself for some, some context. I mean, I think the questions are very... I, from my perspective, elaborate, but um, I think one of, of in two situations, um, one um, someone close to me, but also a colleague, seeing how when people face challenges with their health, if there's not an environment to ensure that they can feel safe about it and they don't have concerns about, um, you know, the perspective of the viewpoint that they have, right? I've I've seen. A good and I've seen the bad right and um, it's really nice to sort of see I'd love to really hear and understand how others are um, kind of handling the situation in our company we've we've, we've talked about it um, and to be honest I, I want to see how we can definitely foster that environment um, as well right um, but for my for the other part of my question my, my twin one is how do we foster innovation using psychological safety and is there a connection between it and i think it that question really touches on something maybe that kind of mentioned how and, and maybe talking that i sort of mentioned on you know you put the the what was it what's it called uh flower onto the flowers uh, oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> the fertilizer <laughs> fertilizer yes <laughs> um and how it it literally blooms um i've, I've sort of been seen the effects of that and i really just wanted to understand if if others are finding that connection how do we then make it how do we do more of it uh, so yeah that's the that's it thank you afalabi so beyond do you have the pleasure of going first on this one <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much so so i was i was also really really thinking about that because you know i could answer that question is it's like from my perspective at least is psychological safety important for innovation 
And the the answer to that is yes. And uh, to to just add a single sentence to that is it cannot happen without. Um, and and I guess it's like uh, I, I wrote down here the four stages of psychological safety and practice again. Uh, but to kind of it's like. Um, get into the mindset of of answering this question is i started not started i read a book called no rules rules written about the guy from netflix and that book annoyed the crap out of me uh, for several reasons one is it only told the effects of psychological safety but not how to achieve it so it kind of it's it's a look here what we did and then it didn't give you any tools or any kind of stepping stones to actually get there it just showed you how great can it be. Um, and so I was actually reading a lot of different books at the time on on that topic. And I fell over the book called The Four Stages of Psychological Safety, which is written by a guy called Timothy R. Clark. And I think it, it captures like it, it really it's a very small, thin book. And it just talks about these four stages, uh, which, which really carries into where innovation is. And I'll try to keep this very short because it's like I could talk a long time about this. But uh, <laughs> the the idea is the four stages of psychological safety and where you get to that that final stage is the first stage is inclusion safety, which means that in order to get somewhere, you have to feel everyone included in the team. They have to feel part of that group. Uh, if if they don't feel part, there's no way that you can move forward and achieve psychological safety. The next stage is called learner safety, and that's like to give an example of that's the that's a stupid question, that's daring to ask the stupid question. Um, and if because you can be part of a group, but if you're afraid of being you know excluded or being ridiculed for asking stupid question, it's not just like a good healthy group to be in. But you have that, it's like as soon as you can do that and everyone in the group can ask that question because they don't understand something, they're at the next stage. Now comes the the third stage, which is contribution safety, meaning that, that now you not only feel safe enough to ask stupid question, you're also feeling safe enough to contribute and come up with ideas. And now we're going into that innovation things. Because that's at stage three, and there you can start actually feeling and scratching the 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 first level of creativity, and 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 I'll I'll get to what I mean. The the difference between creativity and innovation is subtle, but it's there, because that that is the last part of of where psychological safety creates innovation, and that's challenger safety, and that means that you dare to challenge, you know, status quo, meaning that you see that stuff is the way that they are, but you feel safe enough to challenge that. And that means challenging your manager to get the fuck out of the room because he's ruining the atmosphere uh, with all his, you know, dominance and and, and all of that stuff. Uh, but it also means that you can invite him back in at a, at a pace and you can actually work together. But that changing status quo of of figuring out what is wrong and what do you want to is like how do you want to uh, it's like um, what do you want to innovate? It's like changing something that used to be 
one thing and then into something else is is kind of part of the creative process. And for me, creativity is like the difference between creativity and innovation is creativity is when you create something new. Uh, innovation is when you monetize it or you actually push it out or show it to someone and push it to someone, right? And so you have that that kind of stage between stage four where you actually dare to contribute and come up with ideas and 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 share with the with the common good and then going into the challenge status quo and saying well it doesn't it's like i'm not even just suggesting i'm asking and demanding that we actually look at this new perspective of of of, of doing things that might to everyone seem like a stupid idea but that like that moment that you reach that challenging the status quo and challenging your just like the leadership and the thought patterns of of the industry and how things should be is is where innovation lies and so in my mind is like it's one of the most difficult things just like and you you will see companies says we're innovate it's like we're innovating but they're not really they're just you know they're just using the word to kind of promote themselves because it's so difficult to actually get to that point and it requires actually conscious effort to to get there um, and i think a lot of companies just like lack that that uh, that idea um of of or understanding of of what it actually means when they say innovation um yeah uh, so so yeah so to the mel mental challenges of working is like that i think the four stages kind of kind of answers that 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 question uh plus practice like and so that's that's again about practice i, I really am a fan of practice like daily small 10 15 minutes practices with your your team retrospective as you said my brain is kind of an excellent time to do that as well uh, i it's like that was my answer thank you for listening <laughs> awesome Thank you, Sylvian. My bread over to you. Have you got anything to add? Yeah. Well, first of all, I completely agree that there's many stages and levels of uh, psychological safety. It's uh, building a culture of trust is really a long-term investment from everyone involved. So individuals will build it together. It's a brick by brick thing, and uh, they really have just to have the needed support from the lead-up but it requires constant effort. Uh, it's the practice part, and you have to care a lot about the people involved and commit to to do this. And it's not just from their leader, it's the organization that has to commit to, to wanting to have this. So in my opinion, before you reach the level where you can challenge uh, the as-is uh, and contribute to the to-be, uh, you have uh, many uh, stages before that. And um, I recently saw some new uh, research uh, stating that psychological safety can prevent mental health issues uh, such as uh, stress, uh, depression, anxiety, and so on. And uh, that was a brand new big study from Australia. And it's it's really, really exciting to see that it's now connected. So in my opinion, there's a strong connection also between the psychological safety and the innovation part, as you asked, uh, Afolabi, because the risk-taking and uh, creativity, they just go hand in hand. 
So when they feel safe uh, in the team, they will be more likely to think outside of the box. They will come up with the innovative solutions, but also having diverse thoughts and perspectives within the team will lead to just broader range of ideas. So they, again, will be more innovative. So experimenting and learning from their failures, it's its just like everything's connected when we talk about these things. So when I conclude on, on this and my answer on this is that it creates this really great ground um, or for innovation to thrive, but it's a long way to go there uh, and uh, encouraging uh, a culture where individuals feel empowered to continue contribute their best and being the best version of themselves it's it's really hard work from everyone involved can i can i add like ask a question my bud? and also mm-hmm. i follow up with you you can just like as an addition to that because this is a thing i've been seeing online also uh, it's like uh, broadly in the, the design community is that brainstorming is kind of having a little bit it's a little bit under the weather and a lot of people are attacking it as not being a constructive way of coming up with new ideas and i think that's interesting in relation to what you said um and so what's your take on that like the the argument is that when you put people in a room there will always be someone leading that and so when you say here's a brainstorm session it will always just be it's like people kind of cheering on to that one authority that that immediately gets that's created what do you think about that? Like, have you have you experienced something like that uh, as an addition to that? Because that that is a big kind of stick in the wheel for the for the innovation and creativity. Yeah, uh, I also see the the issues on the the brainstorming sessions because creativity by demand, uh, it's not for everyone. <laughs> so so I think uh, that's a good place that we rethink or we try to innovate how we do our innovation uh, because it's maybe it's it's not the time for brainstorming sessions anymore i don't have any specific uh, tools or anything it's very much depending on on what the team would like to do in my opinion so that's that's again empowering the team on how they want to do it in in the future in my opinion it's a very interesting question you brought up, and I, and I think that I found it to be the other way around um, in in the sense that brainstorming is quite important, right? Um, and I, I think it's it's it largely depends on how you get the binds of the people that are involved in it, right? Um, and I think that one of the things that Maybridge said earlier on was one of in the stages to in the stages to, to psychological safety, right? There are many steps to it, right? And I think you particularly mentioned the fact that it's also how you project it, right? And I think that that also applies even for brainstorming, right? Um, when we have brainstorming sessions in my team, for example, it's I think that the very first step you need to do is really that inclusion safety, right? Once, once you can get people to buy into the fact that you, you're about to put stuff and ideas down, right? It literally moves into no contribution is stupid, right? <laughs> and then it becomes very productive. Everyone begins to chime in, right? Um, for our brainstorming sessions, and I, I guess we we use a tool, we use a tool called Miro. I maybe maybe you're familiar with it as well, right? And it's a super brilliant tool because it's 
everyone at the same time just chiming and just putting ideas right. Um, then you sometimes no one is necessarily leading to it because you then you then start you know chiming on the board, chiming there. See, sometimes you you move around the board and you see oh this person is doing that right, and immediately there's that there's that inclusion that oh right okay I can think about it this way right. Um, no one is necessarily influencing it, but to say that um, you would have someone influence it. It depends on how, and I think it's it's really largely how you set up and you start the process of brainstorming, right? Once you can, when, once you can do it in a very democratic way, then I think that brainstorming sessions are an amazing tool for innovation, right? Um, you would get ideas from everybody. Once you can put in inclusion, once you can let let people know that it's fine not to have all the context, because that's that would be the case. So learning safety, and then finally you can then sort of say, yep, I want to contribute. And then you, you allow people to bring in whatever ideas you have. And then, of course, the final sessions in every brainstorming is to challenge those ideas, right? And let everyone confidently be able to challenge those ideas. So, I, I to be honest, wherever that community of people are saying that it's not good, I, I really need to get in that community and, you know, really change the perspective, to be honest. I've, I've been really surprised, but also I think it's, it's really provocative to me that people are saying that because I've also seen the benefit. However, I've also seen the other side, like their argument. If you do it wrong and there is one very authoritative person or uh, aggressive or dominant person in that room, y- you will see people got just shutting down. So it's like, to me, it's a really, really fine balance. So, so, so I think it's like my, it's, I, I, th- I really like your, your cup. It's like, we're using something called uh, one, two, four, many. Uh, and it's, it's it's like you can use that in big groups and small groups, but you use one minute as one individual thinking about a solution or problem or just like you brainstorm by yourself. Then you go two people together for two minutes and you share the idea that you have and come up with new ideas. And then you go into a group of four, uh, like two groups again, and then everyone meets together and kind of share their idea. And the beautiful part about that is that the quiet, the ones who don't usually have a voice or don't speak up, they have a room where they're only two and where they dare to share their ideas. And it works like magic. And it's 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 a kind of different way of brainstorming, but it it kind of it kind of takes that that uh, that leadership you know, a, a dominance out of things because everyone had a time to just build the way up that ladder. Um, so, so I guess that's like, I just thought of, of, of that from your reply, my but that we, we used that a few times and it's really, uh, all right. Thank you. I, I didn't want to interrupt and <laughs> I guess I will, I will, you're next. I want. I mean, yeah. Um, I guess thanks for everyone for sharing. Um, you've raised very good points that I really resonate with. The stages of of psychology safety are very key, and I think that one of the critical parts that um, I think maybe it also sort of um, agreed with is the challenge of safety, right? Um, and I think that that's the sort of critical part of everything that the many people can feel very confident to sort of challenge ideas and say the way of working is just not working. Um, whatever technological direction we've made, which is question that we're currently challenging within our team, for example, is have we made the right decisions challenging that and ensuring that there's an environment for us to say, how can we rethink it? I think that that's super amazing. Then we can really clearly say what works best for us. Uh, so thanks. Um, I love it. Great question. Once again, thank you, Afalabi. 
the last question that we've got today, guys, uh, Theopion's question, and, and it's looking at what is the most common misconception about psychological safety uh, that you experience people talking about? And a follow-up question of, and how can you deal with those misconceptions? And I'm going to hand over to Theopion for some context. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll try not to to spoil too much of my own opinion on this topic. Uh, I think the 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 what I see is typically if you want to shape a team or you want to introduce it either in a company or a context where you have to talk and and explain it to people, there's a lot of misconception that makes that work difficult because people have preconceived ideas of what it is, and then. You know, sometimes that's difficult to handle, or I find it at least uh, difficult to handle because you have to on just like help them unlearn some things. Uh, and, and so I'm just interested in hearing what are the, some of the misconceptions you hear about uh, and, and experience, and and how do you deal with those in your teams, but also in your organization. Library, we're coming to you first for for this question. Yeah. So one of the common misconceptions that I experience um, could be that some might think a team with a high level of psychological safety is always comfortable or they like never experience discomfort or have any challenges because they are like a unicorn or something like that. And that is not the case. So we are not trying to create a conflict-free environment or shielding individuals from all kinds of tension that might happen. People may still face disagreements and still have some discomfort, but they can just trust that these interactions will be handled respectfully and constructively. So in a safe environment, it is based on a lot of hard work from everyone involved. And that's where I sometimes in my organization see um, people misunderstanding this uh, the concept and thinking that they are just happy all the time. <laughs> they are they are not. And also when my my team is saying, "Oh, we are so lucky that we have this really great team," I have to remind them, "You created this on your own. This was hard work from all of you over a long period of time. So you are actually just harvesting every day because you are still looking after each other and." and making sure that we stay at this this level of safety. So that's that's the most common misconception that I see, I would say. Afro Labi, would you add something as well? Yeah, yeah. Um I, I, I really thought about this question and I think for me it's there there are many dimensions to it and two two things that I I, I would sort of raise here is is one people think that anything goes right. Um, that's one mis- misconception that people have, but not ex- not only externally, but even internally within the people that feel safe, right, <laughs> or that you're that you're creating that environment for, right. Um, and that could anything goes could sort of mean that sometimes even you may need to manage sometimes the the ideas that sometimes come out, right? Um, and maybe this sounds off, right? But it's, it's sometimes, it's, sometimes you will get ideas that you would think, come on. <laughs> maybe, I mean, I know it's an environment for us to just spew out what we're thinking, but sometimes, you know, you, you kind of have to sort of also say, not anything goes, you, you just can't implement your own ideas just because you're having them, right? Um, 
And I think that that's something that's, that is super critical to sort of remember, right? Um, and I think secondly is the fact that um, this misconception that you, we kind of do have sometimes maybe with psychological safety is that um, there are no conflicts, there are no challenge. You can't challenge things, and I think that maybe that that's related related to what my bit has just sort of said, which is you know, um, you know, you can't there are no conflicts, there are no, you, you you can't challenge people as to their ideas, right? And I think that's completely wrong, right? The, the idea is that um, you can do so without making those people uncomfortable. You can do so without putting those people down, right? Um, I've, and I think for me that ties into my original definition of what psychological safety is, that, you know, people will still be able to come and not feel shut down, right? You can challenge situations, you can challenge um, ideas, you can challenge work, um, and they don't feel shut down by it, or they don't feel um, any less of themselves because you've challenged that situation, but you've challenged it in a way that you're saying, have you thought about it this way? Um, can we do it differently? Why have you thought about it this way? This way cannot just work. Um, presenting those ideas, challenging the ideas um, in a very, as they say, with EQ, right? Um, it's, it's super important, that, so yeah. Thank you, Afalabi. Thorpeon, have you got an answer to your own question? I, I do have an answer, and it's very much in line with what both uh, Falabi and, and Mybrit said. Uh, it's like the discomfort is not psychological safety and feeling happy all the time. And uh, Falabi's is like really, really nice comment about it's not a just get out of free jail and I can just do whatever the, you know I want and disregard because I feel safe to just start stuff, right? I think my misconception is uh, is like it's not happy-go-lucky, and I don't take my guitar out and sit and sing kumbaya and it respects everyone's feelings. That's not what psychological safety is, and I think that's like to me is the biggest kind of misconception that it that that's out there. Um, I typically try to 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 make people understand that 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 what we want is intellectual friction instead of personal friction. And that, that kind of, that is like, that's, that's what psychological basically does is that it moves the conflict from a personal level to an intellectual level. And so I'll have amazing fights with, with designers and product managers and engineers where 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 the waves go really really high but the way of communicating and receiving feedback and it's like it's that moment where you don't feel personally attacked and when someone is arguing for something and it just brings out the best of everything and you can be passed like it you know i i am very very passionate about design like to a degree that that sometimes it's it's too much, uh, but but <laughs> but I really love it, uh, and so um, so that that brings us in that these these amazing conflicts, and when we go out of those meetings, out of these conflicts afterwards, it's like we're we we know throughout that conflict that we respected each other as individuals, and and we're both kind of smarter, or all of us smarter from that that friction that happened and, and to me it's like if you go back to Ablabi's questions about innovation that's like that's where it comes from it's that challenging each other 
fighting about what I think is, is like what I know is right, arguing for for what I believe in, but also listening to other people's arguments and not taking it personal. Like that is like, and we're back to the to the, to the you know the explosion of 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 fantastic. It's like engineering and design typically have this battle about because engineers think logical, designers think emotional, and and none of it is wrong. And, but that moment where you have that friction between these two, it's like in order for something to really grow, you have to have that friction and you have to have that conflict uh, between engineering and design and, and product management because they come in with the stupid business requirements and and it has to make money and stuff. And uh, none of us like that. We just want to make build great products. So, But you have that kind of collision between different opinions and between different perspectives and that clash and that fight is just crucial in my and so to me it's like it's opposite of kumbaya uh, but it's organized uh, you know riots <laughs> i don't know how to express it but it's like organized riot where it's fun to be part of uh, and, and and i think that's uh, yeah that's that's the answer to my own question, but it's actually just saying exactly what Alpha Lobby and Margaret was saying. <laughs> so, sorry for repeating. No, uh, thank you so much. Uh, we had four fantastic questions there and incredible answers from from each of you. For now, we'll leave it there. This has been the Evolution Exchange podcast, and I want to take the opportunity to thank Serbion, Mybrid, and Afalabi for not only their great questions, but their incredible insights. And of course, thank you for listening. I'm sure these guys will be more than happy to answer any questions. You'll be able to reach out to them when the podcast is released. They'll be tagged in the post. Um, and I will also uh, tag in uh, Thorbjorn's Hidden by Design podcast um, if you are looking to, to go into to design or have any other questions for, for him. Um, if you would like to get involved in one of the upcoming podcasts, you can reach out to me on via LinkedIn or on email at sam.williamson at evolution-nordics.com. But for now, see you next time.